come on down to Narangong Where narrow-minded folk belong Bring the kids, it's a bloody good place to be There's a bakery and a primary school A decent pub and a public pool There's a roundabout and a bloody good petting zoo to boot So come on down and grab a beer You can stay if you're from here And if you're not, you best be moving along From Narangong You can't G'day cunts Welcome back to another instalment of the Oral History Project for the charming southeastern South Australian town of Narangong. Uh, the lovely song you're listening to there, that's our very own Earl Bird playing for you. He's a noted musician here in town, he's been playing for a number of years. He's especially famous for the invention of an instrument, it's called, what do you call it Earl? The wackle board he calls it. Alright, so it's, it's essentially just a large sheet of flexible material, could be wood, could be plastic or even metal, I've seen them. And you take it and you put it between your hands. And how do you play it, Earl? You just hit it with a stick. Yeah, I guess it never really took off, but he did invent it. Uh, yeah. He's available for parties anyway. It's my pleasure to bring you today a story about the town's benefactor, Old Man Shanky. In the interest of full disclosure for journalistic integrity, I would like to remind you that Old Man Shanky is the sponsor of the Oral History Project. But of course, we do maintain full editorial control. There's no bias here. Although he did tell me, if I don't make him look good, he'll fire me. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not joking. He's actually watching right now. I, I guess we should start then. Without further ado, I'd like to bring you Old Man Shanky and the Gambo Mob. Old Man Shanky was knackered. It was in the nature of hay that it didn't rake itself, but for 54 years, Shanky had been making sure that it got raked nonetheless. As a lad, he'd put in 12 good years down on the Meacham place, cutting, tying, stacking, baling, and sweating bullets in the narrow sun. And for his work, he was paid sweet fuck all and a bung knee. For the last 42 years, he'd been making sure that young lads would be forever out of a summer job, forced to collect cans and rabbit pelts while a shanky automated hayrake did what 12 boys could and in half the bloody time. And the hayrake had done well by him. Most of the bloody town had worked for shanky at one time or another, and those that hadn't had borrowed a book from the local library built with shanky money or pulled up a stool at the RSL, recently done up with a new bar and dartboard paid for with the same. Tourists driving through town would see shankies written, big as you please, across the welcome arch in the centre of town. They might even stop through on a Saturday morning to watch the Fighting Roos take on whatever poor cunts they were playing that week down at the high school oval, recently resodded after a generous donation. Thank you bloody much. And they wouldn't have to look too closely to see a single word emblazoned on the back of the Roos shining crimson and scarlet uniforms. Fucking Shankies. This was Shankies town alright, and if it weren't for the fact they'd already been blessed with as pleasant a name as the good lord ever saw fit to bestow, they might have even called it after him. As it was, no one was ashamed to say that they were from South Australia's tidiest town, 1993, 2003 and 2008. Winner of Australia's best Cornish pasty, 1997, and home to the renowned Fighting Roos. Yep, this was fucking narrow. For all his acclaim about town, and in the hay raking business, it was the Roos that were keeping Shanky busy today. Three weeks from now, they'd be playing that mob from Gambo in the semis, 
and the winner would be going on to play for the Southeastern Championship down in the Big Smoke. The Roos had been unbeaten regional champions for eight years running, but just last year they had to forfeit one game on account of a batch of bad lamb curry Deb Binky served up at a team dinner. Then, one week later, still weak at the knees, the Roos had suffered an igno-fucking-minious defeat to the Gamberg Quarrymen, which knocked them out of finals contention for the first time in 28 years. The whole bloody town wept, none more so than old man Shanky. His grandson, young Shane Shanky, was in his debut year as ruck for the Roos and had put up a bloody good showing before being brought low by three helpings of a delicious but tainted mixture of peas, potatoes, a sachet of Woolies curry seasoning and half an undercooked lamb. He never even took the field against the quarrymen. He had to watch from the stands, his eyes on the game and his hand on the toilet door. Shanky was still smarting from the loss. It wasn't technically a fair fight. Obviously, the boys had to be enrolled in the school for which they were playing. Garner class was a bit of a technicality, but no one could dispute that they lived in the town and got drunk at the formal. The boys from Narangong would one day graduate as proud fighting ruse, destined for a job at Shanky's or shearing at one of the stations just outside of town. Even the lads from Gambo would graduate as decrepit quarrymen, destined to fuck their cousins and sell quartz crystals to dumb cunt tourists who'd been unlucky enough to get lost and end up in Gambo. There was some pride in that, even for the Gambo boys. The coaches too had always come from the towns they coached in. They'd gone to school there, played footy there, married a local girl and spent an illustrious career coaching footy and teaching geography. But last year, the quarryman's coach, David Tallage, left town pretty quick when rumours surfaced of his unsavoury interest in dessert pastries and the principal's daughter. So the quarryman brought on a new fella, a fella from out of town, a fella from Adelaide. And if that weren't enough to make your blood boil, he's a fucking wide neck to boot. So here comes this fucking bing bong from the city, barely in gambos a couple of months, and he leads the quarryman to a win over a bunch of local boys brought low and weak kneed by bad lamb. You wouldn't believe it if you didn't know the Gambo mob for what they were. Shanky was determined that this year would be different. He'd had Darren, his youngest, out first thing every Wednesday and Saturday morning, pulling one of the new Shanky Mighty Mover Mowers around the narrow high school oval to make sure the boys had something nice to practice on. Kylie, his Roger's second wife, had been out every evening with some sliced oranges and fruit boxes too. Coupled with the steady hand of longtime coach Bruce Wynn, it was a winning formula. The ruse had swept like a crimson and scarlet tide over southeast and South Australia, washing away the Jumbuli Jumbucks, the Hardick Red Bellies, the Simeon Saints, the Barnum Bully Blueies, the Steinendorf Roaring Deutsch, the Panandarine Panthers, the Oorallaroo Dragons, and the outer Oorallaroo Sea Dragons. Right when they were poised to bring the fighting roo power to the quarrymen on their own turf, those Surrey cunts called a forfeit on account of impending bushfire. No one would have minded quite so much if the bloody Southeastern Regional Secondary School Athletics Board hadn't called it a draw for reasons of natural disaster under Rule 29B. Now, technically, for it to be a natural disaster, the hosting team has to forfeit for reason of an act or incidence of weather or circumstance that poses a serious risk of bodily injury or death. Believe you me, not too many folks around Narrow were happy when they said that three houses and a family dog lost was a serious risk of bodily injury or death. It wasn't like anyone actually died in the thing, and talk around here rightly turned to the possibility that it was that new bing-bong coach lit the fire, either to get out of the game, or as an unfortunate accident from one of his weirdo holiday celebrations. Pretty hard to tell, really, with that sort. 
You can draw your own conclusions, but either way, the Gambo mob ended up with a barely respectable draw and eight wins. It was almost equal to the Roos' unbeaten season of eight wins and a draw, but it was good enough to face them in the semis. And that's why, three weeks from the semis, old man Shanky was fucking knackered. It had been an early start for one. Shanky was no stranger to the sunrise, having seen it many a time as a young lad headed down to Bill's Creek to go yabbying, or, later on, on his way out to the Meachams where he'd spend long days thinking about a more efficient solution to humanity's oldest problem, turning hay into hay bales. He was up this morning on the wrong side of it though, and over at his Darren's by four to collect Daz, a shanky faster and easy fertiliser spreader, and three 40 gallon drums full of biohazard. Darren's front yard was usually a minefield for the unwary. His 13 dogs had killed every rabbit and small tree within 3k, and with a reason no one was allowed inside with shoes on. But Shanky's heels clipped the floorboards this morning, rapping out a beat as clear as Shanky's conviction that Darren had spent the past three weeks combing the yard for any sign of mess, and diligently collecting it in one of the three big drums sitting in a row under the carport. Those same three drums had been duly loaded in the back of Darren's ute and filled with water the night before, and after a 40-minute drive in the early hours of the morning, the same malodorous mix was spread, efficiently, easily, and at a predictable ratio sure to ensure optimum crop growth, over the quarry. The legendary oval of the most notorious bunch of low-down cheating cunts ever to put on short shorts and lace up a pair of footy boots. By 9am, the sun was up. Some of the Gambo boys might be put off by the pong, but Shanky reckoned their coach had hardly noticed it after years of eating whatever stinky mess those wide necks called dinner. By the time the team took the field for practice at four, however, the field would have more blowies on it than a sheep's ass in summer. What with bushfire season and the water rationing brought on by the drought, the gambos wouldn't have a chance to turn the sprinklers on but a few minutes a day. Old man Shanky figured they'd have flies tickling noses, seeking out watering eyeballs, and crawling distractedly across sweaty gambo faces as they practiced, and bloody oath, they'd earned it. Shanky reckoned he'd earned himself a beer down at the rear admiral. The game, which was scheduled to be played in Gambo, had to be moved after the sprinklers had come on halfway through the quarryman's practice. None of them were too sure they'd ever be able to get the smell out of their hair, and their full forward, both wings and the ruck, took ill with E. coli. Luckily for them, not an hour's drive up the road was one of the tidiest towns, the tastiest pasties, and the best maintained oval in the entire southeastern region. For the past week, Shanky had had his Darren out every evening on the mighty mover mower. One might wonder how the grass stayed so green in the record heat and under water restrictions imposed by the CFS and vigorously enforced by the local constabulary. One might wonder, that is, unless one had laid eyes on Darren's lovely wife, Debbie, who'd been making a crop-topped appearance every morning at Ruth's Bakery, distracting the constable when he stopped in for his pie and iced coffee and buying an extra ten minutes for illicit watering. The grass was lush and close-cropped. The shanky signs behind the gulls were freshly painted, and the historic hay rake that sat on the hill next to the oval, the one with which Shanky had made his foray into high-tech agricultural manufacturing, was freshly polished and shined in the sun, a symbol of one man's triumph over humanity's oldest foe, unraked hay. When the roos took the field for their warm-up after pre-game drinks, everyone agreed they'd never look stronger, faster, or cleaner. Shane, who was team captain, took it upon himself to lead by example and had gotten down at least eight beers since breakfast, was back to fine form even as he bent double in the middle of the field and heaved repeatedly. In fact, with only half an hour until the game was to start, the only thing missing was that bloody gambo mob. 
The parking spaces specially reserved in the dusty lot farthest from the oval were empty. The visitor's locker room, freshly stocked with towels so thin the fleas almost fell through them, was eerily quiet. And the visitor's bench, untouched by the seats of gambo shorts or the backs of gambo thighs, still shined brightly in the sun, from which, of course, it enjoyed no shade. The whole town sat in anticipation, scarce able to believe that that bloody gambo mob would deny their ruse the go at vindication for which they'd longed and struggled and swept for. The ruse by this point sat in clumps of twos and threes on the oval, all except for Shane Shanky, natural leader that he was, who proudly stood in the middle, pausing only to bend, place his hands on his knees and, it appeared from the stands, inspect the finely cut grass. Yet old man Shanky, true to his nature, stood calmly and quietly next to Coach Wynn and the umpire and gazed off south, across the oval and down the narrow Gambo Road. Those who were there remember seeing a slight smile on his lips, as if he was daring that wide-necked coach of theirs to lead the quarrymen up the road and onto the oval, as if he knew he wouldn't. At noon, the umpire declared that the quarrymen forfeited and entered a victory for the ruse, securing them a place in the southeastern regionals. The official game record hangs in Coach Wynn's office, still streaked with soot from Shanky's hands as he took it from the umpire and held it aloft for the town to see. As many in these parts remember that day for one of the worst bushfires we'd seen in years. The fire burnt clear across the Narragambo Road, and the local CFS, finding the reservoir almost empty despite the water restrictions they'd put in place, had to hold traffic in both directions for most of the day while they waited for a couple of trucks from up north. But those in the stands, cheering their ruse on a victory no one could say they didn't deserve, remember old man Shanky's famous words, etched now above the door to the Narra High School. As the crowd clustered around Coach Wynn and Shanky and clamoured for a speech, Wynn turned to Shanky and asked, Jesus, Rog, doesn't half smell like fucking petrol. And Shanky, beaming with pride at the town he helped build, turned to him and said, Nah, Bruce, smells like fucking victory. What a ripping yarn. I don't have to tell you, old man Shanky's a hero in these parts. I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him in the coming episodes of Welcome to Narangong, the oral history project for the charming southeastern South Australian town of Narangong. We'll see you again soon. Until then, take it easy.